Sports cards have been incredibly hot, but non-sports cards, Marvel, Star Wars, and others, they've been even hotter. Today, we dive in and tell you how you can make some money. My name is Jeff Wilson. By day, I invest in tech companies, and at night, I invest in sports cards. Join me on my journey to profit from the hobby we all love. card investors or should i say non sports card investors because that is what today's show is all about we always talk about sports cards on this channel but we cannot ignore the heat of the non sports card markets any longer so we're diving in today and getting you primed on what is going on with star wars cards and marvel cards and pokemon and WWF cards, wrestling cards, and garbage pail, and more importantly, what might be next? Where's the heat next? Because it has been quite the trend of people jumping into these non-sports card markets and the cards going crazy in price. And I'm gonna show you today, using Market Movers data, how crazy the price increases have been across many of these non-sports cards. And then we're also going to talk about what is next and what could get hot in the future so that hopefully we can get ahead of the trend. You can, you can hop on the next thing before the trend has already occurred. By the way, I should mention that in our sports card investor app, we've now added in wrestling cards. So WWE, WWF, uh, there's not a ton of them because there's not a ton of them out there graded that type of thing, but we've added in a lot of the big names you can get to wrestling cards now in the Sports Card Investor app, click the little search icon in the lower right, and it allows you to filter by sport, filter by wrestling as your sport, and you'll be able to check out all these different wrestling cards in the Sports Card Investor app. Of course, we'll add more and more. And sometime in the future, we may also add Star Wars, Marvel, all of those other things, Pokemon. But today, if you are a Market Movers user, you can actually chart those things now inside Market Movers. And in today's episode, I'll sh also show you how you can do that. All right, for this discussion, I wanted to bring in two experts in the non-sports card world. I'm bringing in from our team here at Sports Card Investor, our Director of Operations, Hammer. And I'm also bringing in a great YouTuber, Rob from Northeast Ohio Sports Cards. You may have seen the Northeast Ohio Sports Card YouTube channel. It's good stuff. And Rob's been talking a lot about non-sports cards on that channel recently. They're both gonna come on now and we're gonna have a great discussion. So without further ado, welcome these guys to the show. Rob and Hammer, welcome to Sports Card Investor. How's it going guys? Hey, how's it, how's it going? How's everybody doing today? Super excited to have you guys. Now, uh, a lot of the viewers probably have seen Hammer before. Hammer is our uh, Director of Operations here at Sports Card Investor, and he's been on the show in the past. Rob is a new face uh, to some of you, but he has a great YouTube channel of his own where he puts out really impressive content. Rob, tell the viewers about that. Uh, yeah, Northeast Ohio Sports Cards. Um, do a little mix of sports cards and then have been diving into the non-sports card craze. Um, most of my roots are in the basketball world. That's kind of where I got my focus, but uh, you know, things have been going crazy lately. So I've been trying to expand into some alternative markets. Yeah, and I've been watching Rob's channel. He puts out really good content and uh, it was some of his content over the last couple of weeks about non-sports cards specifically that made me say, okay, 
I know this is sports card investor, but we can't ignore what's happening in the non-sports card market anymore. Uh, there's so many interesting things going on there. And that's why I wanted to bring Rob on as well as Hammer and put together this episode today. So let's jump right in. And I want to sh- I want to show right off the bat, this is just indicative of the craziness that is currently going on. I just brought up in Market Movers a graph of what is happening with Pokemon cases from McDonald's. You've got sale after sale of these Pokemon cases that are selling for over 750, upwards of $1,000. And you can see there's a ton of sales of these here. And this is like, what is this? Is this McDonald's employees who are like, taking these boxes that are supposed to be going into kids' Happy Meals and they're like taking them out the back door of the store and sticking them on eBay. Like what's going on with this craziness? It's wild right now. I think they have uh, like two limit Happy Meals per card, cars and stuff like that now. Uh, I never thought I would live to see the day where people were flipping Happy Meals. Like (laughs) where have we gone? Where have we gone? And uh, it is a wild time, of course. You know, when we talk about non-sports cards and how hot they have become, Pokemon Pokemon kind of started that craze really over the over the course of the last year. Pokemon got really, really hot. But then in recent months is when we've seen other types of non-sports cards heat up. And we're not gonna talk, we're not really gonna talk much about Pokemon today because that's that's already been covered on other channels for several months now extensively. But I do wanna talk uh much more so about some of the cards that have really heated up more in recent months. Um, One that has uh, certainly caught our attention here at Sports Card Investor is wrestling cards. And so, you know, wrestling, WWF, WWE, like it's kind of this interesting middle ground between, you know, is it sports cards? Is it non-sports cards? Like call it what you want, but we have loaded several wrestling cards now into market movers, into our popular card charts. And so I can show you just briefly what's been happening with these. So you've got, like this is the 1982 cards and and these are kind of real low population, really rare stuff. And I know that's a theme we're gonna talk about, about how a lot of this stuff is is really low population stuff. And you can see actually here within market movers, like we're talking like PS, we're talking like pop 57, pop 47, pop 40 for some of these like 1982, Andre the Giant card, you know, Ric Flair card. We can go up to 1985 where you get a lot of Hulk Hogan cards. Um, and these are again, like populations around a hundred in different grades. And look and look at how they have taken off over the course of the last few weeks here. I mean, uh, you know, for example, this Hulk Hogan 1985, uh, you know, blue card in PSA nine back in November, that card was $300. That card just sold for $2,300 a, a couple of weeks ago. So from $300, to $2,300 over the course of a couple months, that's a that's a 654% increase. That is outpacing the increase of Kobe and LeBron and all of the basketball players who we've been talking about who have been going crazy over the last few months. You see it with other guys too. This is the Undertaker's cards from 1991. And you can see how, again, very low population count. I mean, super low pop, like pop 10. But you can see this few sales that there have been these things have gone wild. I mean, you know, uh, Rob, what are your what are your thoughts on on this? Like, what are your thoughts on wrestling cards? Wrestling in general, I think it's a big nostalgia play, and I think you touched on it. I think the population counts are key, uh, as we've been seeing just in the modern NBA market recently to kind of 
touch on sports cards, the the trend has been the last two months, I want low population, all-time greats. And the money kind of shifted there away from high pop modern. So I think people are starting to look at other asset classes, if you will, and they're seeing like, hey, this Hulk Hogan card, all-time legend, you know, one of the most popular wrestlers ever, everyone watched him growing up, and you just glance at it and you see that, like you just said, there's only so many of these things that exist. And especially on those, like, I don't think you're finding too many sealed boxes of those laying around right now to break and send in the PSA. So, so those specifically, I don't see those population numbers getting a whole lot higher over the next, you know, six months to a year, people are sending stuff in the PSA. And I think the nostalgia drive is really what's pushing people in these directions. Yeah, and Hammer, I'm curious to get your perspective. Is it is it the nostalgia? I mean, that is a powerful factor. Do you think, and I know you're into non-sports cards, Hammer. I know you've got a lot of Marvel and Star Wars. We're about to talk about that, but is it nostalgia that's driving it for you? Is that why you think a lot of this is, is becoming popular or is it just people wanting to find the next opportunity to flip something for a profit? I think some of it does have to do with nostalgia. And I think some of it also does have to do with flipping. I think we're, we're getting into a particular area, uh, at least with this vintage craze lately, where a lot of people are going and trying to look for the greatest of all time in that particular space. So in this case, you're seeing it with some of the wrestlers like Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, and Andre the, Gra Andre the Giant, who are legends within that sport. So it seems like people are, are just essentially going down the line, whether it's wrestling or music or something different that maybe hasn't been tapped into yet where I think folks are trying to find that opportunity to maybe find, you know, an extra buck or two that they can make down the road off of individuals who might want to buy that because of that nostalgic aspect of them pulling that 1982 card when they were a kid, or they went to see Andre the Giant wrestle growing up, and they know that that's a card they've always wanted to have. So I do think it's a, it's a combination of both, uh, but I also think it has to do with people trying to tap in and trying to find those greats in those different spaces um, just like we've seen with basketball, baseball, football, and the main sports where a lot of these all-time greats have, have quickly gotten absorbed up and uh, have skyrocketed. Yeah, it's the it's the iconic card chase, but the iconic cards aren't necessarily just sports cards anymore, right? And, and that leads us into talking about Marvel because there are a lot of iconic figures in Marvel Universe, uh, characters, obviously, and I know Marvel Cards Hammer is something that you have been into. I want to show um, a couple of graphs real quick here before we dive in, just to show people the heat around Marvel Universe. And although, by the way, we don't have Marvel Universe within um, Market Movers officially, you can still use the features like chart sealed wax and chart any card to chart Marvel Universe or any other type of non-sports card. So here I've used Chart Sealed Wax uh, to look at a search of 1990 Marvel Universe boxes. And so, you know, I've just done that there and you can see here. Now I had to go back, I had to go down into the actual results to remove some, click the little trash icon to get rid of some results that weren't like legit to the search. But it just takes a minute to clean it up and then you get a real accurate graph and, and change percentages and everything. And guys, what we're seeing is that these Marvel Series 1 sealed boxes from 1990, they were, you know, around 300 bucks back in December, a little bit between three and $400 in December. They spiked all the way to a high of almost $3,200 about two weeks ago. They're now down a little bit. 
They're now sitting somewhere around $1,800 or so. Um, just an incredible rise. And we've seen it not just in the sealed boxes, we've seen it in some of the individual cards as well. Here I've used chart any card within Market Movers to look up Stan Lee. Uh, you know, it, you think you you think you need to put in a player name there, but you can really put in a character name, whatever you want to put in. I put in Stan Lee 1990 Marvel Universe PSA 9 and did a search on that. And this card has gone crazy, right? This was a card that back at the beginning of January was less than $200 and now... And PSA 9 is well over $600, approaching $700. Um, the PSA 10s have gone even more nuts, but you know, there's there's very few of those. Um, tell us, uh, Hammer, we'll start back with you. Tell us about tell us about Marvel, because I know this is something that that uh, that you personally have been into. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting space in my opinion. You have you have one side of it where you have a lot of comic book lovers and individuals that grew up reading the comics and that were collecting a lot of these 1990 Marvel Universe, 1991 Marvel Universe as a kid. So you do see uh, uh, you know a certain amount of of fans that do like the comic book aspect, and then you, there's another side of it where you have maybe individuals like me around my age group who uh, remember when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was initially launched and have, have watched all of those movies up to this point. So a lot of it as well is, is individuals like myself who have seen these movies growing up, which has now brought me into the comic book world and into the trading card world itself. So uh, with where it's been and where it's going, to me is extremely fascinating. And I think Upper Deck is also doing a great job out how they've been continuing to propel with these newer sets that are coming out in correlation to the movies and to the comics and the artists that are making, uh, that are illustrating the comics. And you sound, Hammer, you sound pretty bullish that this, you know, run on Marvel is going to continue, that this isn't just a flash in the pan. What makes you feel strongly about the future of, of Marvel cards? Well, one reason is because of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, before January 14th, there was about a 16 month dry spell where they didn't have any content. So from my, from, from my viewpoint, I looked at it as well, this is gonna be kicking off at some point. And once it does start up again, um, you know, they're gonna continue to be pushing out content for one, two, three, four years at a time. So, and if you look in some of those chart any cards, you can probably notice that January 14th, right around that area is where some of the spike starts to begin on some of those cards and some of that wax because WandaVision has been on since January 14th. So I do think that with Disney, Marvel, uh, Disney Plus, them putting out content is gonna continue to keep folks interested because it's going to be on the television, it's going to be in front of them to watch, just like we like to watch Zion on Saturday night, or we like to watch Tom Brady Sunday night on NFL football, you know? So it, it, it's a similar concept. So, and with WandaVision ending, there will be another show starting March 19th, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So it also could be with the propelling of the shows, it could also then set up other characters to potentially see spikes for their markets, whether it be their cards or their or their comics. So that's where I think this, this can be interesting and it's almost a, a way you could study the market like you would for athletes, for games, or for, you know, in-season, off-season and things of that nature. That's really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a cool perspective. I guess Marvel characters, they don't retire and they don't tear their ACL, right? So, they're, I mean, in that sense, they're kind of like Tom Brady, right? So, it's it's kind of one-to-one. One one. You can invest in Spider-Man, you can invest in Tom Brady, and you've got pretty much the life <laughs> the lifetime of that player there. Um, that's Yeah, that's, that's really fascinating stuff. And I suspect that 
I, I, I know some big uh, comic book uh, collectors and investors, and even though I'm not very into comics myself, they say that the comic market is really driven by the release of new feature films. And so, I mean, it just makes sense that Marvel cards could be affected in the same way. Um, Rob, what's your, what's your perspective on kind of where we are with Marvel cards right now and where Marvel cards might head? Uh, I think we are kind of, I agree with Hammer, we are kind of at like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I do expect prices to pull back a little bit as more stuff comes back from PSA. But I think it's all does, as we all know, PSA is not fast right now. And does demand outpace PSA returns? You know, people have just been starting to figure this out. You know, the first wave got in, but I do think it's beginning to spread. You know, I was at a just a very small local card show just last week, and I saw Marvel 90 Universe cards in a showcase. They weren't graded, and then I saw someone else walking around asking if anyone was buying Marvel singles. And, you know, if you went back even three weeks ago, that would have been unheard. You would have been looked at like you were crazy walking around a card show talking about Marvel, and now all of a sudden, um, it's kind of accepted. So you could see it start to bleed in. And I don't know that everyone's realized quite yet exactly what's going on over there. Uh, and, and like Hammer said, you know, Marvel's the biggest IP in the world. They basically print money, shows, et cetera. This is not leaving the front of our faces anytime soon. So you, just like in sports, news kind of drives a lot of price spikes and stuff. A guy gets traded, prices spike up. In this case, like Hammer said, a new show comes out. Price is going to go up, demand's going to go up, interest is going to go up, and Disney's not going to stop making Marvel stuff anytime soon. Yeah, certainly, certainly not after what they paid to acquire, you know, that whole franchise some time ago. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now, your point about the population counts and the grading is an interesting one. Um, I have a I have a good friend who called me up about a week ago because he, of course, caught winds, uh, as many people are, of how Marvel cards in particular have exploded in value and popularity over the last month. And he called me up and he said, I have a huge collection, hundreds and hundreds, of uh, Marvel cards from my childhood, 1990, 1991, all in really good condition. And he's like, I need to get all these graded. He's like, but I got hundreds of cards I need to get graded. And so... I suspect that there's probably many people across America right now having that same conversation and that same thought. So, you know, when we see population counts rise, which we will, are you are you concerned about that, Rob? Or do you feel like ah, they're so low right now that the demand is just going to continue to outpace even what may be a flood of cards going in for grading? I do think the demand, if, if it catches fire like it is and it keeps going, is going to potentially out, outpace PSA. Plus, and I've been talking about this a lot on my channel, for the people that aren't necessarily have been in the sports card world and they're running into a YouTube video or whatever and they're seeing that they're these Marvel cards that they've been sitting on for a while are going crazy, um, that they make sure that they educate themselves on grading. One of my biggest fears here is, is that a lot of people are going to throw a lot of money at grading companies and they're not used to the grading process like uh, those of us that live in the sports card world is. Uh, and I cracked a box, a brand new fresh box last week on my channel. And the number of PSA worthy cards I got, and these were packed fresh, was not high. You know, these were cards built and designed for kids. The quality control is not great. There's a lot of centering issues on it. Um, and even if you had these things stored in a box or a binder for the last 30 years and you haven't touched them, doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna be PSA 10s right out of the sleeve 
but right out of the card page. So, you know, yes, population counts are going to go up. I think where the values are going to hold are in the PSA 10s. And as you're always a big advocate of the sealed wax. Um, the interesting thing with the sealed wax market is it has pulled back a little bit the last few weeks or the last week or two. I'm curious to see what happens projecting forward. So using 90 Marvel Universe as an example, a lot of these have sold the last two to three weeks. More so have sold in the last two to three weeks than have sold in the last two to three months combined. And a lot of people are buying those to rip to grade. So as that inventory continues to decrease, these are 30 year old boxes. What does the sealed wax inventory look like in even a month to two months from now? Uh, and what do the prices go back up on those? So I think that's also a pretty safe play here. Even if you never rip a pack or send anything off to the PSA, just sitting on the boxes, like, like, like I said, like you'd love to do. Yeah, I do. I do love that strategy. Obviously, ripping the boxes and, and you know, figuring out what cards to send into PSA and everything like that. That can be a lot of fun. It's also a much larger risk because as you said, ripping a brand new box, you don't know what you're going to get within it. And even if you get some really good stuff, you don't know that it's going to be well centered and you don't know what it's going to grade at. And of course, then you got the delays in grading. I, I love, you know, buying the seal boxes, sitting on the seal boxes, reselling the seal boxes when the market starts to move upwards. Um, but of course, there's a lot of different strategies and approaches you can take. Um, I, Hammer, I know you've been buying personally some. I don't know if you have any there with you, but has it been this like 1990, 1991 early stuff? Or I know you've also talked about some of the more recent sets, which which haven't you know seen as much of a spike yet. But but I think you think that there's some value there as well, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, to his point, I do think they are going to get flooded. You know, PSA is going to get flooded with a lot of that 90s and 90, you know, one Marvel Universe stuff. And to his point, it'll be interesting to see how many, how much of it actually does, you know, get a gem in 10 because some of the centering issues that they have had. But even something that me and you experienced, Jeff, in our uh, advent calendar box break, we opened up 2013 Marvel Retro. So, and those have precious metal gems in them. And I have one here that is a Falcon um, and it's numbered to a hundred. So this is something that's more of a little bit newer but something that pays homage to a lot of the 90s sets uh, for basketball and football that have the precious metal gems, the jambalayas and things like that, that are the really rare pulls. So I do also think that adds another level of scarcity on some of some of the modern stuff in terms of getting the 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016 and 2017. So I do think that there is an extra level of scarcity with these precious metal gems because as you also progress into the more newer years they have ones that are numbered to 199 number to 99 all the way down to essentially five so i do think that there's that there's more there's a lot of opportunity as well in the modern side of marvel um as well as some of that 90s vintage stuff but you know that's i, I i'm a you know i love the 90s stuff so that's also why i'm partial to collecting some of the, the precious metal gems and the jambalayas of these of these awesome characters that I grew up watching on, on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and you mentioned that uh, box break we did uh, when we were doing all the charity box breaks back in December. We threw, we, we had that one box in there that was a Marvel box from, I think you said 2013 Fleer. 
And uh, and it was funny because at the time, a lot of the audience commented like, what is this? This is in sports cards. Who cares about Marvel cards? I think some of that audience, <laughs> they might be going like, oh, wait a minute. We pulled from that box, we pulled a, a Precious Metal Gems Wolverine card. I believe it was number to 50. It was a blue Precious Metal Gems card. It was... It was fabulous. Hopefully our video editor here can uh, find that clip. Hopefully you're seeing it right now on, on the screen of that poll because that was a beautiful card. We sold that, of course, right away back in December. Um, and I think it sold for 400 and something dollars uh, because we were giving all the money to charity. So that's why we sold it right away. Although I do have to wonder, you know, if we if we had sold that same card today, what that might have gone for compared to what it even went for back in December. Um, so yeah, that's the precious metal gems uh, within the Marvel stuff. That's that's certainly a really uh, interesting combo to keep your eye on. Um, let's move from Marvel to Star Wars. I know this is this is another you know interesting area. I've got some uh, good friends who have been investing heavily in Star Wars. I wanted to show here. Uh, I'm using Chart Any Card and Market Movers to look at Luke Skywalker's 1977 Star Wars in PSA nine. And I mean, look at this thing take off, guys. I mean, this this is his Wonder Bread variation, the number one Wonder Bread. I put in Wonder here into other terms to include. And this thing has taken off from, at the end of December, this was a, a $50 card in PSA 9, 50 to $60. This card just sold for over $1,000, over $1,100, a card that was 50 or 60 bucks back in December. That's a 2,000% increase in 30 days. When you hear something like that, all the craziness we've seen around Michael Jordan cards, they they actually pale in comparison to this from a, you know, from a percentage standpoint. By the way, I'll mention to the market movers users out there, if you if you want to track cards and wax of of these, you know, of Star Wars or Marvel or whatever, you can do a search like this and chart any card or chart sealed wax, but then save your search. Just come up here and you save this as the 1977, you know, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker card and hit save and it will actually save it to your save search list. So in the future, even though these aren't in our popular card charts, in the future with one click, you can reactivate that search and see what all of these cards are worth. You can also add them to your collection in Market Movers, even though you know we don't have them on the popular card charts yet, you can still add them to your collection from Chart Any Card or Chart Sealed Wax. Um, yeah, let's talk about Star Wars. Hammer, I think you got some there. I know you've been, I, I think you've been into some of these Series 1 cards, is that right? Actually, it's my father. He's the one that got these back in 1977. So, wow. um, and sent them to me once, you know, we knew that this was something that we were going to be talking about. So, and from what he told me, he got them at a, at a card show and uh, they've been sitting in the same box ever since. So and I can imagine there's a, a lot of other folks, my father's age who are, are running to their, you know, storage areas and, and finding these in these sets. So um, it's really fascinating that they actually made they had five series in this first 1977 set. So they had the first series and then once Star Wars exploded, they, they knew that they had to make more. But the first series is, is absolutely phenomenal because of the star the stars that they have. And that's, that's, that's something that's just unique to the first series compared to the other four that don't have that. But The Mandalorian was recently out on Disney Plus so I do think that that has helped recently, just like Marvel with, you know, Star Wars cards starting to heat up. I also was looking at recently Tops Living of Baby Yoda for Mandalorian. That has recently been going up crazy. I think a PSA 10 
sold for 500 bucks recently. It was going for maybe 100 or 200 at some point prior to then. So I do see a similar parallel with Marvel, as in Disney is going to continue to put out shows. Mandalorian will have another season. They are making a spinoff show of Boba Fett for Disney+. Plus. So there's going to be two additional Star Wars shows coming, as well as, I believe, some more movies. So I think all of that news coming out is starting to have people start to research more into the Star Wars cards, and specifically the vintage stuff, because that's where it all started. I know that Star Wars, when that set came out, it was a pretty big deal for the non-sports card world at the time. So I think with that, it set a lot of precedent and a lot of those folks who collected those, to Rob's point, have that nostalgic as aspect and either want to spend top dollar to get that in a grade they want or are going into their storage areas like my dad did to find it and then send them off to grading. Yeah, wild, wild stuff. Uh, and that's an amazing, amazing first series Star Wars collection you have there. Those cards looked like they're incredible condition for 1977. So kudos to your dad for preserving those so well uh, over the years. And I look forward to seeing what those come back graded at when you send those off. Um, Rob, any perspective from you on Star Wars? What, what are your, is it, is it similar to Marvel in your book? Is this, is this a good long-term thing or where do you think we are with Star Wars? Uh, yeah, I think it is very similar to Marvel. And I think like Hammer said, you could kind of almost rinse and repeat the same points that you make about Marvel. I mean, Marvel and Star Wars are the two largest IPs in the world, basically. They're not going anywhere. There's nostalgia vibes. There's limited pop counts on the older stuff. And then as Hammer mentioned, you have the newer Star Wars uh, Tops Living sets coming out and the Baby Yoda on that going for, you know, five, 600 bucks in a PSA 10. And those are pretty limited because I think it's kind of like Tops Project 2020. Uh, I know that's a bad word here, but um, you know, that they were just printed for that week and however many people bottom bottom. So even some of those modern Tops Living cards a year ago, six months ago, they would sell a thousand to two thousand, I think, on a lot of those. Um, and how many of those are going to be PSA graded now? But you have a very small, short print run on those to begin with, looking at it from the modern perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Well, of course, you know, we've seen these gains in Star Wars and Marvel and Pokemon and, and wrestling and all these other things, but people are obviously everybody wants to think about like what's next and we've seen i mean we've seen garbage pail you know kids go up um i know rob on your show you were mentioning that you've started to see movements in like disney cards and gi joe much more recently like what what else is happening out there rob and 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 where what might the future hold in terms of uh you know what gets hot next right now the speculation market on this stuff is nuts um, basically anything that's a sealed wax box from probably the late 80s to early 90s has just been going crazy lately. Uh, G.I. Joe cards, like you said, Disney cards. I've seen lots of people speculating uh, on music cards lately. I have little to no knowledge in that market, but a lot of people are thinking music cards could be big in the future. Uh, this is the most run and Pell marketing's probably gotten in 30 years because <laughs> they produced a lot of this stuff. But you know, I think the possibilities are endless right now. And a lot of it is spec, which gets a little dangerous because you could get yourself into some trouble. We don't know where it could go. Um, so if you got in at the bottom, I think you're doing pretty good. But I would be careful chasing a lot of this stuff and make sure you do your homework before you just run out and blindly buy 
you know, every 90, 80s and 90s wax box sitting on a flea market table or anything crazy like that. And you made a good point on your show, Rob, about how with 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 something like Marvel and something like uh, Star Wars, y there are some graded cards out there which are selling, you know, PSA 10s, PSA 9s, and you can see the price leaps in the graded cards, which then helps substantiate the price leaps in the wax. And oftentimes they correlate, right? If a graded card sells for a record price, all of a sudden the wax jumps up, you know, the following day. But with some of the more speculative cards like the music cards or something like that in some cases there's not even any graded cards out there or any type of recent sales to base any assessment over what a fair value for a sealed box might be so it really is a little bit more of a shot in the dark and and you're taking kind of a speculative chance on where you think these things could go and also if some of these cards get graded what they what they will actually do is individual cards, graded cards on the uh, on the secondary market. For sure, yeah. That, I mean, like you said, this, it could get really dangerous here. With you don't know what it's going to go with, and, and the problem is, is the PSA is so backed up that it's not like you're going to get these things back to find out. So you're either going to grade them at a low risk price point at ten to twenty dollars a card and get them back in a year, and who knows what things look like in a year or you're going to really risk it and you may, you know, pay 75 to $200 to get a card graded and get it back quickly and kind of maybe you set the market and maybe, you know, you could get a really good price to have the first, you're one of the few like, you know, Storm Shadow or Snake Eyes cards from GI Joe or, you know, some 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 music card, one of the first ones to market at a PSA 10 and you could kind of set the market, but it could also backfire on you for sure, but you, sometimes you got to take risks. Yeah, it definitely it, it definitely is kind of high risk, high reward, trying to chase what the next trend is in the sports card or trading card world in general is kind of a high risk, high reward approach. If you're right, it can really pay off. And well, I mean, as you can see, if you if you if you predicted Star Wars cards were about to blow up back in December, you could literally have had a two thousand percent gain on your investment in less than 60 days. I mean, that's crazy, but it takes the gumption to say, I think these are gonna blow up. I'm willing to drop a whole lot of money into an area that for the last many, many years has been kind of ignored, you know, not really regarded. I mean, you know, you were saying, Rob, like at card shows, like people would have laughed you out of the building if you wanted to, you know, talk about Marvel and, and have a big Marvel display a couple months ago, but now, of course, you know, the whole world has changed and, and everybody's chasing those cards. Um, yeah, fascinating stuff. Hammer, I'm curious to get your perspective. I, I know actually both you and Rob uh, have a thought around the possibility that some of this could spill over into comics and comics are pretty low pop and, and, and you know, maybe, you know, people have been collecting and investing in comic books for years but I don't know that the comic book industry has has seen the ferociousness of the sports card and trading card and speculators, flippers, investors really hit it yet, right? What are your thoughts on that, Hammer? Yeah, so I think it, it comes back to the content. Um, you know, with not too many movies and, and content being pushed out, it, it kind of paused the market, in my opinion, just because as like we've said before, these movies sometimes will drive that comic book market. So an example I can give you is The Eternals, which is a, is a new movie that's coming out this year, but it, it's been pushed back. I think it was supposed to come out sometime last year. So I, I know folks that have bought in all of those comics waiting for the movie to come out. 
Um, and with obviously everything that's been happening over the past year, it's been continuing to get pushed back. So they're still holding, holding them for when that movie gets to released to hope that it's going to start to drive the price up. So, and I do think that those sorts of things will start to happen. And they've probably already happened with some vision or some of uh, Scarlet Witch's com early comic books and things of that nature. So I do think it is going to spill over just as similar similar with almost sports right now, uh, sports cards and, and starting lineups. If you look at some of the starting lineups and some of the great players right now, they're going for hundreds of dollars. They never used to go for that. So I just think it is also people trying to find those untapped markets and comic books is definitely one that's huge. And as these movies start to get rolled out, I think that's gonna help bring more attention to them. Fascinating stuff. And Rob, I know you're talking a lot about this type of thing now on your YouTube channel. Why don't you tell everyone again how to follow you and then any closing thoughts from your end? Uh, best place to catch me is on the YouTube channel. It's uh, any Ohio sports cards. So Northeast Ohio sports cards. And then you can get all of my other information from that. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think this is going to keep going. The These alternatives from sports cards. And I do agree with Hammer that I think the comic book market could be next. I loosely follow that market. It has seen record gains just like the sports card market has. But to your point, Jeff, I don't know that they're ready for a full-blown blitz from the sports card world. Um, so I would be very curious to see where this all goes. Yeah, it's a fascinating time. Any any final thoughts from your side, Hammer? There's one thing I would say is that with Marvel and Star Wars, if you're curious if there is a demand just to look at the viewership and some of the records that have been broken for the amount of individuals that have actually went to go watch Avengers Endgame or Star Wars. So that can just give you somewhat of an idea of the potential and the amount of individuals that maybe would be willing to start to collect these sorts of cards as these sort of box office records continue to get broken with Star Wars and Marvel um, films. Yeah, I mean, you could absolutely make the argument, and it might not be an argument. It might be a, a fact that the you know Star Wars and and uh, Marvel fan bases are larger than the fan bases of any of the professional sports leagues. So you know we're all collecting basketball cards on the back of NBA being a global game, and you know NBA rising in popularity and all this type of stuff. Well, yeah, but you know there's probably more people internationally watching Star Wars and watching uh, Marvel, you know, and all that type of thing. I don't know that for sure, but I imagine that's that's true when the numbers play out. So um, you're right. If if the general masses, uh, you know, of those fan bases start to get pulled back in again, watch out. These numbers that we see today, while they look crazy compared to where they were, you know, 90 days, 60 days, 30 days ago, they may look like nothing compared to where they could be six months, a year from now, if that type of thing starts to happen. So guys, this has been a fascinating conversation. Appreciate the insights. I know the audience is gonna appreciate it as, as well. Rob and Hammer, thank you for joining Sports Card Investor. All right, that was a fun discussion. I hope you enjoyed it. And again, to follow along in the non-sports card world, you can do two things. First of all, within the Sports Card Investor app, you can see wrestling cards right now. Download this app, it's free in the App Store. Simply search for Sports Card Investor in the App Store to download that for free and subscribe to Market Movers, where as I showed you during the episode today, you can chart any type of non-sports card or non-sports card sealed box. You can go to sportscardinvestor.com and click on Market Movers in the main menu bar 
for more information. And if you sign up today, you get instant access to all of those features. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Please give this channel a subscribe. Hit that little bell icon if you haven't already. Every subscriber makes a difference. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you back in a couple of days with our next episode.